Welcome to the 34th Circe Salon. We journey from the ancient world to the cosmos. Take the adventure, Take the adventure with us. With us. With us. With us. With us. With us. And welcome, everyone, to the 34 Circe Salon. This is the Parallax Channel. I am Sean Marlon Newcomb, and we are going to be doing Classical Studies 101, The Odyssey, Chapter 18. It's back and better than ever. And listen, we can't do the Odyssey overview, review, without the help of the one, the only, Dr. Gary Stickle. Welcome, Gary. Great, great to be with you, Sean. Look at that adoring crowd. So, Gary, what's going on in Chapter 18? Let's jump right into it. Okay. <clears throat> the uh, chapter is entitled, and I keep using this, uh, Robert Fagel's uh, translation of the Odyssey. And he has titles for every chapter or book they're called. And it's called The Beggar King of Ithaca, meaning Odysseus. And uh, so this is after Odysseus has returned to his palace and the goddess Athena has disguised him as a beggar man. Uh-huh. uh-huh. And I, I think this, the Odyssey is an interesting comment on the homeless and, and beggars and stuff like that, you know, and it's sympathetic to them, basically, which, uh, you know, it's part of the moral aspect of, of the Odyssey, which I think is very notable and, and uh, great. Right. You talked about the welcoming concept, the concept of hospitality, right? Would that be part of it? Be part of like you, you're, you're hospitable I, to everyone. Yeah, right? I guess. And, um, but this chapter talks about how the suitors and, and one other beggar is, um, you know, bad behaving and all that, you know? So anyhow, this is the opening uh, translated by Robert Fagels. Now along came this tramp, this public nuisance, who used to scrounge a living around the streets of Ithaca. <clears throat> now he doesn't mean Odysseus here, he means another one. So, the so there's, the, well, we're, we're presuming there's a lot of poor people, of course, just as in any culture. Yeah. So that's just what's happening. Okay. Yeah. So it says, uh, he is notorious for his belly, a ravenous, bottomless pit for food and drink. Uh, but he has no pith, no brawn, despite the looming hulk that met your eyes. Arnaeus was his name. But anyhow, apparently, uh, people call him by another name of Iris, spelled I-R-U-S. So basically, in the chapter, he's called Iris. So, okay. So this uh, is a different, not because, as you mentioned, Odysseus is made right now at this point in the story, has the appearance of a beggar, right? He's, yes. He's in with the suitors. The suitors are are eating his uh, wife out of house and home and his son, and so now we have Odysseus who's now um, infiltrating them. 
by pretending to be a beggar, but yet here is this actual beggar who comes in. Yeah, and the, the goddess Athena has disguised Odysseus as a bald-headed old man, you know, basically. And so this Iris comes in um, to uh, kick Odysseus out because Odysseus is sitting on the doorstep, so to speak, of his palace. And so it says, um, uh, he came by to rout the king, meaning Odysseus, from his own house. And he met Odysseus now with a rough, abusive purse. And he says, get off the porch, you old goat, before I haul you off by your leg. Can't you see them giving me the wink, all of them here, to drag you out? And so I would. But I've got some pangs of conscience up with you, man. So he's trying to get Odysseus to go away so he can get get all his stuff, basically. You know. So this is one beggar trying to push the other beggar out. Or presumed yeah. beggar out because yeah. it's you. You hear about that often in today's world. They it's their territory to beg to, you know, and they kind of will fight people over it. It's yeah, unfortunate, like, but that's that's what we see. You know, like certain beggars uh, you know, claim certain uh, street corners and all that sort of thing today. Exactly right. Um. So Odysseus responds, and he gives the guy a killing look. And the wily old soldier, meaning Odysseus, countered, Out of your mind? What damage have I done to you? What have I said? I don't grudge you anything. Not if the next man up and gives you plenty. This door cell is big enough for both of us. You know, you've got no call to grudge me what's not yours. You're another vagrant just like me. So uh, he's, he's telling the guy to, you know, lighten up, you know. Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a great, and it's an interesting turn of phrase. Obviously, it's a translation, but it reminds me of the phrase, you know, this town isn't big enough for both of us. But he's saying it the opposite way: this door sill is big enough, is big enough for both of us. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And then the the beggar says back to Odysseus, "Look who's talking." The beggar rumbled in anger. Uh, now this pot-bellied pig runs off at the mouth, meaning Odysseus. Like an old like an old crone at her oven. Well, I've got a knockout blow in store for him. So they're gonna have a fight, these two. And so it, it goes on to say, um, uh, tongue lashing each other, tempers flaring, there on the polished sill before the lofty doors. And Antinobus, now Antinobus is the leader of the suitors. He's the most right. prominent suitor. Right, right. Mm-hmm. And the and uh He's called a grand prince here. He hears them, you know, their commotion and so on. And he breaks into, quote, gloating laughter. And he calls out the other suitors. Friends, nothing like this has come our way before. What sport some god has brought to our palace now? The stranger and Iris look. They'll battle it out together, fists flying. Come, let's pit them against each other. Oh so he's egging them on, okay? It's and it's and it just it has such a grotesque uh, visual, you know, when you think about these wealthy, smug, arrogant men, you know, gathering around to watch these two beggars fight to egg them on, yeah, you know, to have this fight, of, uh, you know, between the less fortunate. Sure. So they're they're viewing it as entertainment, you know, instead of what it really is, and. uh 
And so his words were met with whoops of laughter, according to Homer. Um, so they clustered around a pair of the of the ragged beggars, you know. And uh, uh, and then uh, one of the suitors says, "You you pissies, uh, quiet, my fine friends. Here's what I propose." Uh, these goat sausages sizzling in the fire. We packed them with fat and blood and so on. Now, whoever wins this bout and proves the stronger, let that man step up and take his pick of the lot. <clears throat> so they're offering a prize, you know. So they're cooking. We talked about you know, setting the tone, setting the scene. So they're cooking sausages, presumably from this, just enjoying themselves. And they're going to offer one of the, the winner, the winner of the beggar fight gets to have his choice of sausage, it sounds like. Yeah. And, uh, and uh, but Odysseus um, says, you know, friends, how can an old man worn down with pain stand up to a young buck? It's just this belly of mine and so on. So first, all of you swear me a binding oath Come, not one of you steps in for Iris here. So in other words, he doesn't want any of them to help help him, okay? Okay. 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 <laughs> um, no. So anyhow, um, now Prince Telemachus, the son of Odysseus, steps in. And he says, stranger, and he's talking to Odysseus. If your spine and fighting pride prompt you to go against this fellow now, have no fear of any suitor in the pack. Whoever fouls you will have to face a crowd. Count on me, your host, and two lords back me up, Antinous and Eurymachus. Now, Antinous and Eurymachus were suitors, you know. Mm -hmm. And then all the suitors shouted with approval uh, to the prince and so on. Um, and then Odysseus... Um, you know, basically takes off his shirt, you know. <laughs> and they say, burying his big rippling thighs, his boxer's broad shoulders, his massive chest and burly arms on full display. As Athena, the goddess Athena, you know, his patron goddess, uh, stands beside him. So she makes him look very impressive, you know. So she, yeah, she gives him an intimidating appearance. Okay. And says, despite their swagger, meaning the suitors, the suitors were amazed, gaping at one another, you know, and so on. Um, and so now Iris is uh, getting a little blown out about all this, okay? And uh, and then the suitors, uh, Antinous rounded on uh, Iris and saying, you, you clumsy ox, you're better off dead. Never born at all if you cringe at him. Paralyzed with fear of an old broken hulk. And so he says, Mark my word, so help me. I'll make it good. If that old relic whips you and wins the day, I'll toss you into a black ship and sail you off to Iketus, the mainland king who wrecks all men alive. He'll lop off your nose and ears with his ruthless braid blade and he'll rip your privates out by the roots he will and serve them up to his dogs how about that it's, it's pretty uh pretty graphic graphic and gross you know um 
So then um, they haul him into a ring. They form a ring around him. It said both men put up their fist. With the seasoned fighter Odysseus deeply to- uh, torn now, should he knock him senseless, leave him dead where he dropped, or just stretch him out on the ground, you know, with a light jab? <laughs> so the two men squared off, and Iris hurled a, hurled a fist at Odysseus' right shoulder as he came through with a hook below the ear, pounding Iris's neck. So in other words, Odysseus responds with a, a, a left hook, I think it is, you know, below the ear, pounding Iris's neck. Smashing yeah, like, the like a boxer. Ja- he, he, he bobbed and weaved and counterpunched. Yeah. And so Odysseus hits him with such force that it smashes the bones inside. And suddenly red blood from Iris comes spraying out of his mouth. And he, he pitches into the dust, howling, teeth locked in a grim, you know, response. And the princely suitors flinging their hands in the air, died laughing. Grabbing him by the leg, Odysseus hauled him through the porch across the yard to the outer gate. And uh, that describes some of the uh, architecture of the palace, which I used to create my hypothetical floor plan of the palace, you know. Mm -hmm. For the listener. Uh, Between the porch porch and the outer gate was a courtyard, and then there was the outer gate, you know. For the listener, it's uh, about how you are trying to find the lost palace of Odysseus. We have not in history unearthed the palace that Odysseus uh, ruled, from which Odysseus lived and in which Odysseus lived and from which Odysseus ruled. So uh, Gary is looking for that that lost palace. Yeah, hopefully. And if it's not the palace, then at least we're trying. Okay. Hmm. Um, so, uh, so he hauls him out to the outer well, basically, you know, throws him out, you know, and uh, and he he sets him outside the gate. He says, "Now hold your post, play the scarecrow to all the pigs and dogs, but no more lording it off over strangers. No more playing the beggar king for you, you loathsome fool." So anyhow, Odysseus wins the battle, you know. And, then and, and tells him what for, so to speak, right? He uh-huh. gives him a gives him an ultimatum of sorts and says, "Don't do this again." And and then um, uh, this is it says that this went back to his cell, meaning the door cell, and took his seat. The suitors ambled back, laughing jauntily, toasting the beggar warmly now. One man egging the others on, stranger friend, may Zeus and the other deathless gods fill up your sack with blessings, and so on. <clears throat> so anyhow. Um, so Odysseus wins the fight, clears the other beggar out, has the begging field for himself. And Antinous lays before him a goat sausage, you know, and two loaves of bread on a, from a wicker tray. And then he drinks to Odysseus' health with a golden cup. So, um, and uh, so anyhow, uh, they're having a a conversation. And um, Odysseus says a, a famous line. He says, 
Of all that breathes and crawls across the earth, our Mother Earth breeds nothing feebler than a man. I repeat that. Of all the of all that breathes and crawls across the earth, our Mother Earth breeds nothing feebler than a man. Oh, so long as the gods grant him power, spring in his knees, he thinks he will never suffer affliction down the years. But then when the happy gods bring on the long, hard times, bear them he must against his will and steal his heart. Our lives are moved, and mine as we pass across the earth, turn as the days turn. So anyhow, it's yeah, a no, it's, famous uh, passage. It's a yes. It's a it's a vision of going from the the full the summer of your your adulthood or manhood in this case, and then going into that long winter you know, of not being or not having that same strength and power and, and ability. And then Odysseus uh, comments, but here I see you suitors plotting your reckless work carrying away the wealth, affronting the loyal wife of a man who won't be gone from kin and country long. I say he's right at hand, and of course he is, right? And may some power save you, spirit you home before you meet him face to face. So anyhow. Dire warning, his own way. Yeah, it's a, it's a warning. Yeah. He says, the moment he returns to native ground, once under his own roof, he and your friends, believe me, won't part till blood has flowed. So in other words, he's threatening them, you know? Indeed. And uh, one of the suitors and, and, and Feminomus uh, makes his way through the hall and, and uh, Odysseus scares him, you know? His, he says, his, uh, shaking his head, fraught with grave forebodings. What's to come? Um, so one of the, the suitors story, seems to take heed, comes over. Yeah. Okay. And then the story turns to Athena and says, but now the goddess Athena with her glinting eyes inspired Penelope to display herself to the suitors, inflame them more, and so on. Um, and so Penelope calls her maid, Euronymy, uh, and uh, tells her that she wants to go down, you know, because her uh, bedroom is in the upper floor. So Athena wants her to inflame the suitors? Yeah, apparently. And so are we to take this as a, Athena wants to see a fight? You know? I don't know about a fight, but she... By, get, know, well, by getting them inflamed, no doubt it's going to anger Odysseus. Well... Uh, well, we'll anger the suitors, anyhow. Um, mm -hmm. So, uh, well, I thought you meant to to get the suitors excited by her, attracted to. No, her. I, I I don't think so. Okay, let, let's see. Uh, it's interesting. Let's see yeah. what uh, how that plays yeah. out. And so, uh, but <laughs> her her principal maid says, "Well, you can't go down the way you look, and you know you got to uh, refresh yourself and your face with oils and so on." You know, so. Uh, Wants her make look look good, you know. Well, that's what I mean. It seems like it's she's she's going out to get them that kind of inflamed. Well, what what does she do? So they she, she dolls herself up to use the old phrase. Yeah, I guess so. You know, and uh, so anyhow, uh, 
Uh, you know, says staunch Odysseus, glowed with joy to hear all this. His wife's trickery, luring gifts from her suitors now. Um, you know, in other words, they're going to give her gifts. Enchanting her hearts with suave, seductive words, but all the while with something else in mind. So she is trying to enchant their hearts. Okay, so she is trying to get them going. Yeah, I guess. But it's, some other... you know, it's just okay. a, a false tease, I guess. Yeah, that's what I'm wondering what, what Athena's playing at, because getting them yeah. in flames is just going to get Odysseus, but that may be the, the goal. It, it may be. And this is a tenuous uh, respondent to her. It's his daughter of Icarus, sensible Penelope. Whatever gifts your suitors would like to bring to you, accept them. How ungracious to turn those gifts away. We won't go back to our own estates or anywhere else till you have wed the man who, who you find to be the best. So he proposed and all the rest agreed. Each suitor sent a page to go and get a gift. And Tennyson's man brought in a grand resplendent robe. And get this, it's clasped with 12 gold brooches, 12 being a sacred number. Right. And um, Eurymachus' man brought a necklace richly wrought, gilded, and strung with amber, glowing like the sun. And, um, and Eurydamas' Men came with a pair of earrings for her, so on. And she gets a, a, a golden uh, choker and so on. So each sooner in turn laid, uh, uh, laid down a handsome gift. And then the noble queen withdrew to her upper room with her ladies-in-waiting, bearing the gorgeous presence in their arms. So she accepts these gifts. And then it says, now the suitors turn to dance and song. So they're partying it up as they do every day, you know. Mm -hmm. And um, so they, uh, and now it's nighttime and they have three braziers. Three is another sacred number, uh, providing them light and so on. Um, and, um, and then it talks about... Um, uh, you know, the, the women that are sort of whoring themselves with uh, the suitors. And one of them is, uh, her name is Melanthro. So these guys are just having a wild time at this point. Yeah. Wow. And, and Odysseus is present. He sees this. Yeah, he's long. seeing all this, and, and it's just driving him crazy, you know. Yeah, it seems like that was Athena's goal. Maybe she just wants to really make sure he goes and closes the deal, so to speak, clears these suitors out and regains his... You see the extent of their uh, terrible behavior and desecration of the palace and so on. Right, right. Uh, and so it talks about this Melanthro and that she was Eurymachus's lover, always slept with him. And she was the one who mocked the king and taunted and so on. Um, so in other words, she's been totally disrespectful to her, her queen, which is just unheard of. That's a capital offense in ancient Greece. And by capital, you mean capital indeed. In as as in losing your life. life yeah. Losing your life, right. Yeah. <clears throat> and um, so it just goes on, and then she, she's uh, uh, 
And then she confronts Odysseus, you know, thinking he's a beggar, you know. And it says that she was bold as brass with him. And she says, uh, wine got to your wits, and do you always play the fool and babble nonsense? Lost your head, have you? Because you drubbed that hobo Iris? You wait. A better man than Iris will take you on. He'll box both sides of your skull with heavy fists and cart you out of the palace gushing blood. And then Odysseus responds to her, you wait, you bitch. <laughs> and the hardened veteran flies the killing look. I'll go straight to the prince with your foul talk. The prince will chop you to pieces here and now, you know. Mm -hmm. So Odysseus says that to her, that he'll go straight to Telemachus, or Telemachus yeah. and, uh, and say, um, this is what she did. Well, I mean, really, again, it's, this is an example. It feels like Athena just inflaming Odysseus because that's, of course, like you say, a great insult. There's one of his maidservants, and look at how she's conducting herself, and look at how disrespectful she is. Yeah, she's hoarding herself, herself, according to Homer, to uh, the, one of the suitors, and and then she's being totally disrespectful to Penelope and now to Odysseus. Hmm. Okay. So Odysseus Fury sent the women fluttering off, scattering down the hall with panic, shaking every limb. They knew he spoke the truth, but he took up his post by the flaring braziers, tending the fires closely, looking after them all. Though his heart inside him stirred with other things, ranging ahead to all that must be done. And so... Um, and then, uh, again, it talks uh, about uh, Eurymachus. And it says he wheeled on Odysseus, raider of city. Stranger, how would you like to work for me? If I took you on, I'd give you decent wages, picking the stones to lay a tight, dry wall or planting tall trees at the edge of my estate. I'll give you rations and so on. Close your body, sandals. You've learned your lazy ways too well. You've got no itch to stick to good hard work. You'd rather go scrounging around the countryside begging for crust to stuff your greedy gut. And Odysseus responds, Ah, Eurymachus, uh, if only the two of us could go man to man in the labors in the field, meaning, you know, you'd like to uh, take him out as well, you know? Right, right. And um, so... Anyhow, there's exchanges between him and this Eurymachus and so on. Um, and, um, uh, and, and and then, the, you know, Eurymachus shouts and seizes his stool. Uh, Odysseus uh, misses it, and uh, it, he hurls it and it hits a wine steward instead of Odysseus. And then um, it, it said that, uh, now riot rules the day. But now Prince Telemachus dressed them down. Fools, you're out of your minds. No hiding it. Food and wine have gone to your heads. Some god has got you got your blood up. Come now, you've, you've eaten well. Go home to bed. I, for one, I'll drive no guest away and everything. So, uh, but they keep partying on for a bit. And it says uh, they had their stewards uh, pull, pour uh, full uh, rounds, you know, rounds in their cups of wine. 
they took their cups to the blissful gods, and then libations made, they drank the heady wine to their heart's content and went their ways to bed, each suitor to his house. And that's how it ends. Well, that is, uh, it's a really interesting chapter in the sense that it just, it seems like it's a, it's an incitement, a chapter of incitement, incitement to fight, incitement to riot. Uh, it's stirring the cauldron, stirring the pot. So, um, yeah. and laying the foundation for something, something imminent that can be explosive. Well, I thank you, Dr. Gary Stickle. That is a really, um, a, just a fascinating chapter. My name is Sean Marlon Newcomb. Thank you for joining us and God bless.